0: Hey friends, welcome to episode 104 of the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Doris Swift, and I am thankful you're listening in today. I want to warmly welcome you to the show. This is going to be a great show today. I have my friend Esther Panabaker on, and we're going to talk about her message that God gave her, and she actually wrote a book about it. It's No Leverage your nothing by leaping into God's everything. And it's going to really encourage and challenge you. And, you know, I might sound a little nasally, and that is because I was on a vacation last week, which was actually to attend a conference, a writer's conference. It was so amazing. But over the weekend, I tested positive for COVID, so I'm a little under the weather, but I just wanted to make sure that I get this episode out to encourage you this week. And I want to remind everyone that Fierce Calling is part of the Spark Network. And you can listen to the Spark Network on the Edify app. That's E D I F I. And you can download that for free at the Apple or Google Play stores. And friend, if you love Fear's Calling, would you consider rating it uh, and doing a review? Because it helps more people find the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And I know what Esther is going to share is going to encourage, inspire, and challenge you. So listen in while I have a chat with Esther Hanabaker. Welcome back to the Fierce Calling Podcast. I am so excited to welcome my friend, Esther Panabaker. She is an author, speaker, she teaches, she is a wife, a mom, and she loves community and just family and neighbors and all of that. But she understands what makes people thrive, which is really cool. For a writer, and she writes words of encouragement and to inspire others. And that's what she does best. And I am so thankful and blessed to have
1: you on the show, Esther. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. And congratulations to you for winning the Spark Media Award. I was so excited to see
0: that. Thank you so much. That is such a blessing and so humbling. And yep, God just like, I don't know what happened. Next thing you know, my name was being called, and I was like, what? I running up there it was really exciting. <laughs> it was so fun. Thank you so much. That is so well deserved. so great of you well deserved. to just you know be an encourager like you are. Yes. that's what you do best. So anyway, well, I am so glad to have you on, and we're gonna talk about lots of great things, and one of which is your book. And so, Esther, I would love if you would share. A little bit about your story and how you're taking action where your passion,
1: compassion, and conviction intersect. Thank you so much. Well, the title of my book is No Dot Thing Leverage Your Nothing by Leaping into God's Everything. And my story began when I was a child um, with a single parent. And I grew up in a culture that taught very strongly that the man was the head of the home and that the wife was to be the support. And so I had no big career calling dreams of my own. And I love that your motto is a community of women who are taking action where their passion and compassion and conviction intersect. Um, But I I didn't have dreams of my own. I didn't know that I was to even have dreams or to have a career. Don't get me wrong. I did work at a bank um, and I earned income, but it was a means to an end. I basically Mm -hmm. thought that a career was out of the picture for me straight out of Bible college, I married my high school sweetheart and we went into ministry and um, for a period of 16 years. And I became a great hostess and pastor's wife, and we had children and I was a fantastic mom. and I would host you know different people. Easter would come, I'd do a sunrise service and all the things but I didn't really have what I thought was a calling. And I love that your podcast is fierce calling. It really pulled me into you and to your podcast. Um, But I had a personal awakening, Doris, and it was an aha moment. Like they say, when our kids were school age, um, at age 10, our oldest daughter wanted to be a nurse and I started praying about that, and she's an RN and and will soon be a nurse practitioner now, and I'm super proud of her, but I began to seek out classes, seek out ways that I could propel her into what she felt was a God-sized desire and dream, and I'm happy to tell you that God is a dream giver. I, I read the book by Wilkinson, The Dream Giver. Books are so important. Mm-hmm. And I was fully convinced after that, that God plants desires in our hearts. And he wants us to use those desires to build his kingdom. And so as I grew in my walk with the Lord, of course, I wanted to please him and build his kingdom. But this calling was a a gentle nudge on my soul, and it was the word nothing that whispered in my ear day after day, week after week, I would be in service on Sunday, and no thing can compare to our living Lord, your presence, Lord, and this word nothing God created the world from nothing and he hung it on nothing. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And so that was the theme. And I started writing in a journal. It didn't really start out as a book, honestly, Doris. It started Mm -hmm. out as being faithful to follow my passion, to follow the conviction that was on my heart. And as I would be talking to my friends, That's when the compassion would reach out to them because I'd say, hey, do you mind if I send you something from my journal? Hey, Bible study tonight. Do you mind if I read something from my journal? And it was these nothing scriptures. And I found that people that I was in contact with, you know, nothing in the womb. We go through seasons of nothing. Um, Sometimes we think it's like a one and done. You know, I'm I'm in a financial crisis of nothing, but it's not the one I'm done. You know, we go through these seasons of nothing in the finger, nothing in the womb, nothing in the nest. And so I feel like we all cycle through seasons of nothing. My friend, uh, she just retired from the Air Force and she went into the Air Force um, straight from high school, spent 20 years in service in the Air Force. And now she's in that season of now what? You know, I'm still young. I'm in my mid forties. Um, I'm, I'm kind of in a nothing situation. And so I found that God was calling me to write a book and here's how that all happened. We had company one Sunday afternoon and we were talking around the living room and my husband whispered something to me and he, well, he said it out loud, actually he said, Hey honey, why don't you read them something from your book? And I'm, I told this to somebody else you may have heard, and I I wanted to kick them, but I couldn't. (laughs) We weren't at the table. (laughs) And so that's when uh, this guest called me several weeks later and she said, I have bought tickets. We are going to um, the conference, Lisa, Lisa Turkhurst conference, and you are going to write a book proposal. So I'm immediately Googling how to write a book proposal. (laughs) And that was the beginning of what God laid on my heart. And um, yeah, so it it did start out as a conviction and then worked its way into compassion. And then my passion bled out and I, I wrote the book.
0: Beautiful. That is so amazing how God brought that all together. And I love how you were journaling and how you were offering to read the things that God had put on your heart from your journal and asking that, you know, can I can I read something from my journal at your Bible study? And then can I share something with you? And using that, because your journal was like the makings of your book. It was. And yeah, so that is really cool. And we have some things in common, too, because I was in banking and uh, my daughter's an RN, so we have some things in common. But I love how you were talking about in the beginning, it's kind of like you you were able to come to this realization that, yes, you do have dreams, and that's okay. And how you brought up that God is a dream giver, which I love that so much. And I'm sure you've run into with the nothing thing that there's so many women out there, maybe our listener right now, that feels like she has nothing to offer. So how would you encourage her uh,
1: around that, Esther? Yes. Well, you know, I remember getting on a plane to go to that conference, right? And thinking, I hope no one asks me, what, what do you do? That is always a question. So what do you do? And I believe as a woman that follows Christ, it's not necessarily about a career, but it is about our calling because, you know, more than likely our career and our calling hopefully will intersect and it'll weave itself together. But our career tends to be more about me, but a calling is all about him. And we wonder sometimes, what is my calling? you know, what are you calling me to do? And we look for greatness. We look to aspire to be successful, to be something. When Christ is asking us just to know more about Him and to first seek out Him, to be someone through Him before we are called to do something for Him. But I would tell your listeners this, that Like I said, you know, I was the best mom I could be. I was the best pastor's wife that I could be. I was hosting people. I was pouring iced tea. I was, you know, salving up their wounds, so to speak, um, giving comfort. And so I was giving of myself all along, which that was a calling um, to pour out compassion. And then I was able to pour out compassion through the written word, through a book, because God had called me. And here's the thing, Doris, I feel like a lot of times we're looking for great, that great thing, right? You know, when God right. calls me to write a book, right, mm-hmm. then, then I'll do that. But prior to all of this, God was asking me, to take a chocolate pie to my neighbor. And the story is in my book about my neighbor who I had been praying for. She lived an alternate lifestyle. I had nothing in common with her. She would leave at night to work and come home early in the morning. She didn't dress like I did. She didn't live like nothing, nothing, um, corresponded in my heart with her, but I prayed for her because I knew she needed God. Right. But God mm-hmm. told me one day as I was praying and I looked out the window and I saw her, he said, take her a chocolate pie. And so what do we do? We argue with God, you know, just like Moses said, but Mm -hmm. I can't speak, but you know, all the things, right? Right. (laughs) And and God just says, take off your sandals and follow Mm -hmm. me, go tell Pharaoh. And that was basically what God told me. He said, take her a chocolate pie. And do you know that I did take her a chocolate pie? After all my questions, does she love, what if she doesn't like chocolate? What if she doesn't eat pie? What if all the what ifs? What if she Mm -hmm. slams the door in my face? Um, But she needed the love of Christ. And that's how God wanted me to show myself to her. And so I believe that instead of looking for my life's purpose, I strongly believe in finding today's purpose. That moment of holding that little baby in my arm, that moment of changing a diaper, that moment of smiling at a clerk in the store, instead of looking for a big, Huge life purpose. I believe in living every day with a small purpose, and God opens those doors. Wow. That is really
0: powerful. I love how you said looking for today's purpose. Yes. Because that is not overwhelming. It's no. just looking for wherever God leads in opening our eyes to those divine appointments. And he will do different things with different ones of us based on our gifts and talents. Like, for example, he probably wouldn't call me to bake a pie for someone. <laughs> I am not. But let's face it. Okay, Esther. You have the word bake in your name. Okay, baker, Panda baker, <laughs> which I love so much. And I, um, but I could take a meal to someone, but it just, you know, he will call us to different things at different times and it'll look different
1: for each of us. But exactly. Is, yeah, I love that story. And when I go speak, you know, I, I usually ask these three questions. So I would ask your audience. What is in your heart? First of all, what is in your heart? My Mm -hmm. friend, it's been in her heart ever since she was a teenage girl. She heard a missionary talk about orphans and how children need caregiving. And so today her children are gone and she is to this day, she has, she's taking in children, babies, and she's Mm -hmm. housing babies and taking care of them and feeding them because that is what is in her heart. So I'd first of all ask, what is in your heart? I would second of all, ask what is in your house? That may be what is in your wheelhouse, right? So baking isn't in your wheelhouse, but something else is in your wheelhouse. Look at podcasting. Hello, (laughs) technology and I don't, technology and I do not get along. And I'm really, you know, to be on podcasts is like terrifying for me, but it's it's something I'm stepping through and that's door I'm stepping through, but that is in your wheelhouse. So I'd ask them what is in your house and that could be literally like taking a chocolate pot or that could be in your wheelhouse. So what's in your heart? What is in your house and what is in your hand? And remember the story about the lady that the prophet went to, and she said, I have nothing but this pot of oil. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we look at that pot of oil and think, well, that's nothing. But when Christ blesses it and breaks the bread and multiplies our gifts, it is an incredible gifting that he gives to us. And um I I love the scripture scripture that uh is in corinthians if i could read a scripture says i always thank my god for you because of his grace given you in christ jesus for in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our lord jesus christ god is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. And that goes along with fierce calling and it goes along with nothing. And, you know, I do talk about my book, I'm kind of rushing it, but um, really, and truly, we do have to get to that place of feeling like we are nothing before God can use us. Mm -hmm. And, and I say that carefully. And it was a point in my book where God spoke to me and taught me before I could even write it in my book. Um, It was a humbling when I thought about Christ not only coming in human flesh, but he humbled himself to come to this earth. He was in the womb of a woman for nine months, you know, quiet. No one saw him working. No one heard heard him. And I think a lot of times in that preparation stage, when nobody sees us is when God is doing his greatest work inside of us. And so the God of heaven humbled himself. He became nothing. And so he could be the savior of the world. And if I truly want to be something, I have to know what it means to be nothing. And um, without me, you know, the scripture says, without me, you are nothing. And we have to stay grafted into that vine. Yes. Yes.
0: Wow, that is so powerful. And you are just so passionate about that. And it's so very touching the way you had us think about the fact that Jesus came as a baby, but that he was in Mary's womb for all of those months. And sometimes we forget that or we haven't even thought about that. We just talk about, oh, when Jesus was born, you know, we celebrate that at Christmas and, you know, his life and all of that. But how precious to bring that out. I love that so much. Thank you for that. That is cool.
1: You lived a so life cool. of nothing. Yeah. So the book, st- it's really, um, you know, my journaling was kind of all over the place, right? Like a journal. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I couldn't, I couldn't name the, the book, you know, the nothings of the Bible or the nothings of my life. Or I wanted it to be about the reader. And so as your your audience comes, I draw the reader into the book with stories. Every chapter has a story, and I draw you in. But the, I, God gave me the layout for the book, really. And it's in four sections. And it's the first section is on reality, where I am now. And the second section is on security. Third section is identity and then maturity in Christ. And that's where I talk about humbling ourselves. You know, actually to be mature in Christ, we have to realize that. But, you know, when the rug is jerked out from us, our reality, and we have a nothing situation, you know, we always thought that our calling would be to be a mother. And then all of a sudden we're married and we've been married four years, five years, six years, and we have nothing in the womb. Or we are like my daughter, she's an RN, she's 26 and and no husband on the horizon, you know, and she always has felt like she would be a mother with children. And so when we are faced, the reality settles in, we have to trust Christ with our security, with our identity and our maturity in him. And, you know, I talk about Joseph, the first chapter talks about Joseph. And I love the story of Joseph, but when he was sitting in that prison, you know, He was in a situation that looked nothing like his dream. Egypt? Hello? (laughs) He would have never (laughs) thought he was going to go to Egypt. Of Mm -hmm. all places, Egypt, how is this going to work out? My dream, you know, it's all up in smoke. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. Is Egypt? How is this going to work out? My dream, you know, it's all up in smoke. Um, and then he told the the men in the prison. Remember, he he interprets the dream, and he said, "Please remember me when you get out of here. Please remember me, for I have done nothing to deserve this." And um, yet, I, I talk about his dream and his gifting, and this pulls us right back into our calling, our gifting in Christ. That what if Joseph wouldn't have interpreted the dream? You know, when the men told him, what if he would have thought, well, my dream didn't work out for me, so should I say anything? You know, will, how will this go? But he didn't hold back. And I think sometimes, Doris, we hold back on our gifting when things don't go well for us or we don't feel like God has answered our prayers. It's like, well, how can I pray for someone else? When God wants us to be giving of what we think is a nothing in our life, because that is going to be the thing that God uses to bring his everything it will leverage his everything
0: so true that is amazing and I love how the title of your book is no and then the dot and then thing kind of breaking up the nothing and just another perspective on that word nothing you know how you've been explaining because sometimes we feel like nothing just always means empty or lacking but how you were also talking about how, you know, we could do nothing apart from God. Like we are the branches that need to be in the vine. So that was really impactful how you brought that out. I love that.
1: Right. Well, you know, I was helping a friend there again, the compassion coming out and she was saying, well, you know, I was talking to about the nothing and, and how I was going to go into nothing and nothing is impossible with God. You know, like I've already said, um, but also the nose and the things that look like nose and weights. So the period is for nose and the weights while God is doing something in our life. Mm-hmm. And, um, You know, a lot of times we think of period, and I talk about in the book how a period, sometimes we think it's the end for us, right? It's Mm. the end of our story. But really, it might just be the end of that paragraph, the end of that chapter before God writes the new chapter. And we have to close that chapter to move on to the next chapter. We have to Mm. close this season a lot of times, you know, to start the the next season. And Doris, Mm. talking about calling, you know, even since I've written this book, God continues to challenge me on on this topic of nothing. And because we do, we want to fill up our time with something. Mm -hmm. We want to fill up our resume with something. We want to fill up with something. And there's a lot of times where God says, will you set that thing, whatever that is, that is important. Will you set that aside and, and get alone with me and not depend on a thing to identify you not depend on a thing to label you and tell you who you are because when you're not a soccer mom anymore, you know, when that season of life is done, when you're not working at the bank anymore, you're not in that career when you're not then, then what? And so I feel like God has drawn me even in this season of my life at the beginning of the year. Um, I'm just going to tell this story. God challenged me, um, to sell my business. And for the last seven years, I've been a property manager and God helped me to acquire rental properties. And my sister and I went together. I did a lot of the the manual work. My husband's a builder. And so I, I found properties that needed restoration and we got them for a good price. And anyway, so we've built this business up and I've done, you know, I've done the work, but, um, God asked me in January, if I would be willing, um, to, to sell it and go back to nothing and um, to, to free up my time for him, whatever it may be with this book and speaking. And so, you know, we always ask those questions. Okay, so then what? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and what are your plans? You know, we want to know all the steps, um, but God asked me. So I said, okay, um, well, God, you'll have to sell this business. You'll have to bring a buyer along. And would you believe, Doris? I told my the girl I was going to get my hair done. I told her a few days later. And within a week, I had two offers for my business and um, it sold. The middle of January, it sold. And um, so I've been challenged personally since the book. And God's challenged me, said, okay, are you are you going to believe me? Just like I called Moses and said, take off your sandals. Just like I called him and said, hey, go speak to Pharaoh. And, and Moses did that, right? He was bold. He was brave. And I talk about him in my book. Um, but then after he tells Pharaoh, remember, and they take away the, the, the straw to make the brick and they have to go out and get some of their own supplies. Moses comes back to God and he says, because, because the people he's going to lead out of bondage, they're upset at him now. So he has Pharaoh that's upset at him. He has the children of Israel. He's between a rock and a hard place, literally. And so he goes back to God and the scripture says this, and it thrills my soul. He says, God, I've done this basically, and you have done nothing to deliver your people. And so in that period of wait between what he thought was a no and the thing God was working out, that middle part where he thought nothing was happening. He was honest with God. And I challenged the reader to be honest with God and tell God, I don't understand this. Tell him your feelings, tell him your emotions, but then trust him that he is working something out. Nothing is impossible with God, which literally means that he is incapable of doing nothing. God is incapable of doing nothing. Nothing is impossible with him. And so we have to trust that he is doing something. Love it. It's so
0: encouraging To hear that, you know, it's a reminder, especially those who are in the waiting. And sometimes waiting can take a long time because you know how the word says a thousand years is one day and one day is a thousand years or I probably said that backwards. But anyway, it's so true how we would want something to come quickly. But it wouldn't be God's best for us sometimes. We want to wait for God's timing and God's best because if it comes too quick, we may not recognize that it's him that is bringing it forth. And that is so exciting. And I wanted to go back earlier because you were talking about what do we say you know, when people asked, what do you do? Yeah, And I think that was really good because I think that hits a lot of people um, because we've all experienced where somebody say, what do you do? And you feel like you want to say something that will uh, maybe make yourself sound good or impress the other person. But we never think to say, well, what do you do? Well, I follow Jesus. Well, I make disciples. Like we don't say that. (laughs) You know, we feel like what we, what we do is what our, like you were saying earlier, you know, our career or, you know, those kind of things. But what a great, way to segue into a transformed life, you know, to to share with someone, you know, a grace story or something. So that that was really cool and I want to bring that back up because I think that is really important and everybody really probably resonated with what you were talking about earlier with that. And so tell us now, okay, so how long did it take to write the book because I know you were explaining the process of the, how, how it goes. And I think that it's the flow is really great of what you cover in the book and you don't tackle identity first. You tackle where you are first right? and then kind of the progression goes. So tell us how long it took to do that and what was God teaching you? Because I know that authors always say, that they live their book. <laughs> so what was God teaching you to during that time? I do live my book. Well,
1: during that time, I've always really finished what I started. And so when I was finally convinced that, okay, God, this is going to be a book. I will, I will do this. I I first started after that conference that I went to, I met with um, a publisher, I had an interview. They were crying. They said, this is wonderful. Um, but I wasn't convinced a self-publisher was the route to go, right? I thought mm-hmm. you have to be picked up by a traditional publisher. And, you know, there you go. So I was interviewed by Harvest House. And um, a couple months later, I get the email saying, your content is great. It's biblically sound. You have everything it takes to be a writer. However, you need a platform. And so at that time, platform was a really big deal because as an author, you know that we are required to promote and sell our book. And um, so that was a really big deal, but it, it, but it restricted me. You know, I, was, I started to get stunted in the, the duty and not the dream of my call. And the duty was getting a following, Instagram, blogging all the things. And then I took compel classes. I went to writer's retreats. Uh, Susie Eller is a fantastic author and she had a writing retreat that I went to and was so meaningful. And I did zoom class, you know, all the things for two years, trying to build a platform, trying to be good enough, trying to have all the things, all the things in place to do what God had asked me to do. And I think Doris that gets us in trouble a lot of times Um, because we do need to be to be wise, we do need to be good stewards, we do need to do our best, but a lot of times we get bogged down in the duty and we never get to do the dream. And so after two years of that, I decided, okay, God, I'm just going to write the book. You know, because then oh, well, where will I get the finances? Um, I did find a hybrid uh publisher that's kind of between indie and, and traditional publishing hybrid. And um, so that was manageable, right? They found the editors for me. They did all these things for me. And um, so that's the route I decided to go. And it was during the pandemic, you know, the time of nothing, 2020. And I thought, (laughs) okay, God, I'm late. You know, (laughs) I'm late at this. Nobody's going to want to say nothing because nothing's on the calendar. You know, nothing's on, you know, they're not going to want to hear this. And and then besides that, the year before that, um, Max Licato came out with his book, Be Anxious for Nothing. And I literally cried because he's one of my favorite authors. And I thought, okay, God, it's too late. Like he already wrote the book. (laughs) He Mm -hmm. already did it. So, you know, it's too late. You couldn't trust him to do it, but we all have our story and it is uniquely our story. And so Mm -hmm. when it came time to write the book, I tore out pages in my nothing book. And I, I begged God for weeks. I said, God, give me an outline for this book to really be a roadmap to walk these people, the readers through their life. I want them to see their life through the pages of the stories. And so I tell lots of stories of friends that, you know, were not able to have babies and how God led them and they adopted two children that needed them more than they needed babies. And so it's just a beautiful, really is a beautiful book of stories and lessons of, of God's faithfulness through our reality and through our insecurity, how we build security and then our identity. And so he gave me four sections, right? So I spread it out across the dining room table. We're in a pandemic. So all of us were at home. It was okay. Um, I wasn't having a company and I spread them out and I just divided it into four piles. Okay. This goes, in this, pile, this goes in this pile. 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 Now I wouldn't recommend this way to write a book, but if you have a journal <laughs> that's turning into a book, it may be the way you do it. And then I just, I had a folder and I put it all in those four sections and I put it in the little slide sheets. And then I would move those slide sheets around within that section. And God just helped me to write it. And um, I, I just typed it out during the pandemic and through those editors and they edited. I think the one thing that was edited out the most for me, which is kind of a funny story, is Holland Webb. He's probably in his late 30s. And he'd say, nah, you can lose that. And <laughs> nah, you can lose that. I used a lot of L-Y words, like honestly, really, truly. And um So finally I typed back to him and I said, but I need this one really. So I cut out like 97 L Y words because there were too many, um, Mm -hmm. and to get to the heart and the message of the book, but really I wanted to lay out a map. You know, I've always liked maps with the pictures. Um, Mm -hmm. and even when I'm following my GPS on my car map, I want to see the road. Okay. Where does it like turn there? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm on a road that, is to the side of here. But where does that road meet up ahead? And so my book, I'm praying and God has opened doors that people see their lives through the story and mm-hmm. God's word. I use a lot of scripture Doris, and I I'm unapologetic when I go on podcasts that are not Bible based or faith based. I tell them straight up front, this is a faith based book. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it, it is a map for people to walk through wherever they may be, and surprisingly, I've I've written a leader's guide. Okay, since this, that at the end of the show, I'll get I'll give my email address if your listeners would love to do the eight week uh, Bible study, I will email that to them free, and it's a PDF form. But it's it's a lot like my book, and it does go with my book. But we did the eight week Bible study, and things that came out in that. I had a lady that had lost a child um, way back, you know, to a pool drowning. And I would never have thought to include that in my Bible study or in my Mm -hmm. story, but the stories spoke to her. And so Mm -hmm. I pray that God uses these stories in his way and the scriptures to reinforce that he is walking with you through whatever thing you feel like you are going through. That's so
0: good how precious too that in this book is like this, this child that's been birthed, you know, that God brought forth and how it's just making such an impact on people. And thank you so much for offering the Bible study. And I would love if you could share how our listeners can connect with you and find all of those great things and grab this book. Well, my
1: name is hard to spell, so I hope to goodness that it's in the show notes, but it's <laughs> Esther with an H. And then my last name is Panabaker with two N's, pannebake com. So they can find out more about me on my website at estherpanabaker.com. And then if they want to email me, email me at hello at estherpanabaker.com. And when they put in the subject line, if they'll put Dora Swift or Fierce Calling Podcast, uh, please send me. I will send them that PDF free.
0: Beautiful. Thank you. And I will have all of that information in the show notes so the listener can connect with you and find you. And it's yes. been just such a joy and a blessing having you on. And just thank you so much for sharing your heart with us today because it does really come out in when you talk about the book you know your your passion for this message and i am so glad that god brought it forth because it does take a long time when someone is wanting to write a book but that you continued with your dream going from not even knowing if you we're allowed to have a dream. And now here is this dream coming to fruition, but God has more in store for you and keeps opening more doors. So that is so exciting. And it is so- exciting. It is.
1: <laughs> it is. And you know, when I go to speak, um, God has laid on my heart one of the things that I talk about is, you know, I I got lost in the duty, right, of the dream. And I was always a doer. I grew up being a doer. I was the oldest in the family. I, I did a lot of things. I was a doer, not a dreamer. But I've come to find that God uses both dreamers and doers. And it, you can have one or the other, right? But when you put a dreamer with a doer, you can do so much for God. It's amazing. That is so good. So, and
0: that really connects with everyone. You know, yes. the dreamers, yes. the doers. And, <laughs> and I really love that. And I love how God is in it with us. And he wants to walk with us in and through the dreams that he has placed in our hearts. So it's so great to see you doing that, Esther.
1: And thank you so much. I don't know if you have a minute um, left of the, the podcast, but um, one of the, the little stories here, I felt myself spiraling into a dark place. So I made an appointment with, wait for it, not a therapist or counselor, but a hairdresser. Don't judge, don't judge. I plopped myself into a salon chair and said these words, just make me cute. I know, I should have been sitting on a green velvet couch pouring my heart out to someone who could walk me through my crisis. But in that moment, I tied my identity to my looks, the outward instead of the inward because it's easier to do cosmetic work than it is to do internal work. Raw confidence arises from one's belief in someone or something that is firm. Breaking free in who we are meant to be looks like shedding the pressures and expectations put on us by the world. And you know, society and philosophy of this world does put a lot of pressures on us for our calling and our dreams. But when we break free of all of that, then I find that God can change us. And I talk about the caterpillar you know, that turns into a butterfly and they in, in that cocooning process in the chrysalis, they are actually hanging upside down and science tells us that the caterpillar actually turns to mush. And sometimes we feel when we're in an upside down situation, we feel like mush inside, you know, what's going on, how's this going to work out, but yet God is creating something beautiful in our life. And there's so much hope and courage in raw confidence, accepting who God is making us into. That is the perfect
0: note to leave with the listener. And you have given us so many great takeaways that this is an episode that I think we're going to have to listen to over and over and over again, (laughs) you know, just to get all of the bits and the good golden nuggets that are all, throughout the conversation. So thank you so much. And I hope to have you back on again sometime, Esther. Thank
1: you so much. I love your show. I love listening to your podcast. I've enjoyed several of them.
0: Oh, thank you so much. You are a blessing and an encourager. And we are looking forward to hearing more great things about what God is doing in and through you. And may he continue to allow this book to just go wildfire right know, and get into the hands of everybody that needs to read it
1: they can also order it on amazon um, and then just look it up under no dot thing leverage or nothing by leaping into god's everything beautiful
0: well thank you so much friend and may god bless you and your ministry and your family and all that he's doing in your life is so exciting and we will talk soon talk to you later Thank you for listening today, and I hope that this really encouraged, inspired, and challenged you to step into the dream that God has given you. Friend, do you have a dream that has been on the back burner for a while? Well, ask God if it's time for it to come forth and start to boil. And uh, he is a dream giver, our God. And he plants desires in our hearts. And I love how Esther said that. She said, God plants desires in our hearts, and he wants us to use these desires to build his kingdom. Friend, we are kingdom builders. You might not think of yourself as a kingdom builder, but when you're in Christ, you're a kingdom builder. We are the church, we are the body of Christ, we are the bride of Christ. And we work together to use our gifts to impact the world for Christ. And you have a gift, or more than one gift, because that's what the Word says. So never doubt that God can use you. No matter where you've been, what you've done, or what's been done to you, God wants to use you in amazing ways. And your past story does not discredit your grace story. It becomes part of it, friend. So keep the faith and walk in your calling the way God directs you. And I love how Esther was talking about walking in the purpose today. Instead of looking for my life's purpose, she said, I strongly believe in finding today's purpose. And that's something we can all do. So I hope you'll join me next time when I talk with another believer in Christ who is taking action where their passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, friend. Have a blessed week and I'll talk to you soon.